0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind.
1: Cool from a beautiful South Hello and welcome dear listeners. It's that time of the month again with the railway train rolling and uh, I'm rolling onto Reading in actual fact this coming Saturday it is time for Neil Fissler and I to review the fixtures ahead for the month of March and mention name already here he is himself Mr Neil Fisler. How are you doing Neil? Not too so bad nick yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to my football for a change as as we've you know, we we've had some good results lately. Four on a spin now, four wins on a spin. And we're rolling off to um, the Majeski Stadium on, on Saturday and a bit of a buzz going on. I don't know how long it'll last for, Neil, but um, it's nice to be enjoying your football again for a change.
2: Yeah, that's right. I think I sent you a message last week that I had a good feeling about the weekend's game, and it that is. lasted all of about thirty mouth. seconds. Right. And that yeah. all lasted about thirty seconds until Mason Bennett went off. And uh... but no, <laughs> it, it, yeah, you know, it's just great to be that you got a smile on your face after watching Millwall for a change, haven't you? And uh...
1: yeah, um, you know, it's what we're
2: overcoming adversity. We're doing what we do best, aren't we? Well, we haven't got any players, so we've gone on a 4 match unbeaten run.
1: Do you know what? I think you're right. And, you know, I, I think this is a one thing I hope that comes through these these shows, listeners, is over Mill history. I think it's often the case that when, when our backs are to the wall and our choices are very limited, as they are increasingly with injuries at the moment. But I do think we respond to that in a way that we just don't seem we don't seem psychologically capable of being the favourites or so having a wealth of op- options at our disposal. We seem to need to be up against it and somehow it brings out the Mill fighting spirit now.
2: Yeah, definitely, it's what we're about, isn't it? Well, we are the underdog. We are the unpopular choice. <laughs> Nobody supports Millwall through choice or through no, any other no. option, I guess. And yeah, no. uh, you know, it's just yeah, you know, it's just the Millwall way. It's been it's been that way throughout our entire history, isn't it? So just it's revel we just rebel against.
1: That's very true. Very true. Um, so we're going to be looking at our fixtures for the month of uh, March. As we've said already, listeners. But looking at it through the prism of fixtures from the past to try and um, delve into the highways and byways of, of Mill history. Um, now, we mentioned already, we've got Reading away coming Saturday. Um, shall I begin with my choice on this one, Neil? And then we'll, we'll flip. Over yeah, well, I to do yours. remember your game. I, yeah, well, as I was there. Yeah, I was there, and I'm the one I've chosen, listeners, because um, I think a lot of us were there. In fact, there were three thousand one hundred twelve of us there. Is uh, Mill. Uh, Reading 3, Mill 4, on played on the 6th of January 2001. And well, I fell upon this one, Neil, in the list of um, historical fixtures because um, it's just one of those... It, it, A, it's unbelievable. It's 21 years ago. And that's the first thing that really struck me, how time flies. Because it seems, and the names in the team sheet um, just seem like yesterday. And I think maybe... Um, I don't know, time time is a cruel mistress, isn't it? But, you know, it, it does seem like very, very recent and yet it is 21 years since we went to to Reading that day and, and won 4-3. And I'll never forget the we went 4-0 up. Um, goals from Neil Harris. In fact, a hat-trick from Neil Harris. A 17th minute goal. Penalty on 22. Ricky Newman, own goal. He was, was playing for Reading that day. And then a 50th minute fourth f- from Neil Harris. And of course, we took our foot off the... Um, off the, the gas somewhere they staged to, stage to come comeback, didn't <laughs> they?
2: True right. Millwall fashion, four nil, I nearly contrived to fuck it up, didn't I?
1: I think um I think the too many were thinking about which restaurant they were gonna go to and then the pub afterwards after the game, weren't they? So it finished three four from from four nil up in on the fiftieth minute and in fact to the sixty fifth minute was the first goal by a name that I've picked out, uh, Sammy Igo, who's playing for Reading that they would actually come back and play for Millwall. Uh, in 2008. Um, I just want to read out, if I may, Neil, the the Mill Tings. It's a classic side and we've we've covered a lot of these players a lot in the the past, but it's always worth reading out the Mill 11 that day. Tony Warner in goal, uh, Matt Lawrence, Joe Dolan, um, obviously would lose his career to injury, Joe Dolan, but a great defender, Neil. Um, Big Joe in defence. Alongside Sean Dyche, who is a player that I've picked out because obviously he's gone on to fame and fortune as Burnley manager, but a very reliable and very solid Millwall defender in our promotion winning season. Robbie Ryan uh, famously would play his last game for us as a cup final up against Cristiano Ronaldo before leaving, I think, to go to Bristol Rovers, if memory yeah, serves. Yeah,
2: yeah, they went to Bristol Rovers for Bristol. a season.
1: Then we've got a midfield, uh, as it's listed here, Paul Eiffel, great player, Love, love he. Christophe Kine with his floppy hair and his Belgian um, flamboyant skills. David Livermore used to take some some stick, Neil, didn't he? Livers used to get a lot of stick. I never thought he was as bad as he took well, the I can't abuse.
2: remember who actually took more stick. David Livermore or Liam Trotter.
1: <laughs> Two similar decent type, players. Of,
2: yeah, yeah, similar type of player, wasn't it? But every pass yeah, I remember every pass Livermore made, used the, a groan went up, and I never quite understood why. Very, no. very solid player, just wasn't spectacular, was he? Yeah, well, in many ways, he's an archetypal Millwall player, he just gave you 100%. Absolutely, he was he was a white
1: Jimmy Ebdo, was not he? He was, yeah, he was... <laughs> but for some reason, for reasons that beat us, um, he, he was the boo boy, and um, you know, actually I think quite... every
2: side has one, every side has one, and David That's... Livermore was that yeah. side.
1: Yeah and then also a mid, midfield stroke attacking forward Tim Cahill classic classic players would be Cahill in his pomp and then in the front two of Neil Harris and and Paul Moody a front two that I love Neil. Um this was a wonderful season wasn't it 2000 2001 third division championships season.
2: Yeah yeah. Well, I know we go on about about the about the possies and the wellers that team mm. From yeah. fifty years ago, but this one has to be up there as one of Millwall's greatest sides or greatest squads, doesn't it? it, it, it just, that season was it was just cheer up, Mark McGee, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be the regular um, the the monkeys, wouldn't it? Cheer up, yeah. the sleepy Gene.
2: Yeah, um, and it it, it it just seemed that everything that happened that season. Whatever happened, we'd just come back and we'd win games when we shouldn't have done, and we play teams off the park. And yeah, it it, it 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 was just a great time, wasn't it? I think it was the first full season I took my son to games.
1: Yeah, yeah. I am...
2: Um, it it was just a fantastic side. The Giorgio shirts, nobody had yeah, heard of this. And much. the
1: yellow, we're we're playing in a yellow kind of quite a, almost gold away kit with dark blue stripes um down the sides Giorgio sponsored which was some dodgy theo g brand of jeans or something sold off of the uh yeah, the, the, the racks outside Whitechapel
2: station. <laughs> yeah well strike force made the kits and nobody had heard of them but they're quite a fit bird in the program on the on the advert. I remember that and Mate, it was just one of those times in Newell's history. I've spoken to a lot of players from this squad, including Joe. Yeah. And it's just a great time. Harris at his pomp. And
1: absolutely. What absolutely.
2: would Harris have done if fate hadn't have intervened that summer?
1: Yeah. Um, it's um,
2: Tim Cahill. The Cahill yeah.
1: and his well, look at the substitute there, Neil. I mean, I've mentioned the starting 11. Um, um, that was uh, Christoph Kinney was replaced with Stephen Reid in the 71st minute. What a substitution! Stephen Reid comes in for Christoph Kinney because obviously with are wasn't
2: then. the bravest, was he? But but well, no, he but could do he it though. I, I liked
1: Christoph, yeah, I, I liked him. Um, I, th- I think I've probably got a soft spot for uh, flamboyant continental ball players. And he was, he was one of the, we don't have, we haven't had many of those in our uh, Mill as a club probably tends not to go for that kind of player, but when we do get them um, wonderful, wonderful days, um, just a really enjoyable time. It's like a golden, golden year in a way, that 2000, 2001 season, Neil, it's um, reminds me a lot of 1988, you know, games that almost exist in their own time bubble in your head, really. But, um, Wonderful, wonderful win. We finished, We made a, made heavy weather of it. We managed to let Reading back to 3-4 from 4-0 uh, down. Uh, and I've mentioned Sammy Igo just because he scored for them to begin that, um, uh, you know, that, that kind of rush back. And I don't know why, but um, I just we will probably never mention Sammy Igo in other circumstances. So I picked him out of the wonderful Mill Who's Who book, which is on victorpublishing.co.uk. 1999, I just had a look. Before I started recording with Neil, um, and Your I thought I'd lift. You
2: how much my own book costs? <laughs>
1: <laughs> sounds it sounds less crass if someone else does it. <laughs> 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 Bit of class. <laughs> Sammy Igo, um, he's, he's a player that did the rounds. I mean, he played seven games for us. It's been the ill fated. I mean, it's, we're going from the sublime to the ridiculous. The 2005-2006 season. Um, he was one of many. I think we had about forty or fifty players that season, didn't we? It was it was um, a chaotic, chaotic season after the high points of um, two thousand one. Um, to go to this just four years later was incredible. Um, I picked him out really just out of a, a sense of sympathy for Yard because he was n- he wasn't um, he wasn't exactly a classic player, but I was just admiring the number of clubs he's played for: Pompey, Reading, Luton, Swindon, Bristol, Hereford. Um, Bournemouth, ourselves, obviously in Havant and, and Waterlooville, Gosport Borough, Bognor. He's done the rounds of, of small time clubs um, on the
2: south coast, right, southwest yeah. clubs.
1: That's right. <laughs> yeah. Vastly experienced. I think that's a great choice of words in the little biography that uh, in Neil's book. Do buy it, listeners. I recommend it. It's a mill classic already. Um, so I picked that Sammy Igo, and then I've also mentioned in in passing, Sean of gave a lot more to the club he's only here for a very relatively brief period 1999 to 2002 76 games and three goals but what a solid defender he was Neil um yeah
2: right at the end of his career wasn't it i think he yeah, yeah he made his name at Chesterfield in that uh that's right in that FA cup run didn't he i think where they got to the semi-finals and David Ellery robbed them of a cup final place but absolutely right. but the great thing about that side was you actually had a solid professional like him, playing alongside a young player like Joe Dolan, and then we had yeah. the Spice Boys in midfield, didn't we? The likes of Kyle yeah. Reed, Iffy. Yeah. Christoph Keane yeah. wouldn't have been too old, but I think he was probably older than the rest of them. And then we had an untried youngster up front, Harris. Or yeah, well, untried is probably a bit harsh. Well, I he think would have been
1: there? bloodied young, yeah. hadn't he, because yeah. of yeah. circumstances?
2: Yeah. I think he'd played for three or four seasons, and then we had Moody up top. So it, it, well, it was a classical blend of your experience and your and and your youth that side, and that's what I think made it. So good, and there wasn't that much money in the game at that time, so you could probably relate to these players a yeah. little bit more than absolutely than you can um, now.
1: I mean, Paul Moody was again in the latter stages of his career. I think he'd been, uh, I think it's Oxford, he came from, was it? Um, yeah, yeah, Oxford Southampton, I that, think, actually. as well. Yeah, done, he'd done yeah. the rounds. Man, mountain of a str- I love Paul Moody, Neil. Fulham, um, Fulham I think he played for. yeah, I mean, as a target man, but one of the again the classic image of the target man. He was everything that you'd expect him to be big man, solidly built, um, but, but reasonably skillful when he's given the opportunity on the, on the floor as well, which I don't think he ever got much credit for, for, for that part of his game, but um great striker and part of one of the classic duos of Mill history. Um, The other point I just wanted to make before we close on that is uh, Sean Dyche. Um, Success is a is a strange thing, isn't it? Because I never would have expected him to go on to become a top flight Premier League manager. There's no there's no clue particularly. I suppose he's a good defender, but you wouldn't. Um, you might. I don't know what what traits you look for, but um, it just you know success can be a random thing at times. And he's gone on to better things in 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 the managerial. Um, you know, he's best known now as being a top flight manager rather than a, a very good solid defender. Um, yeah, it's just odd how it works. Odd how it works. So there's my choice of um, Reading fixture, 3-4 in 2001, win for Millwall. Uh, You've also gone for a a win, nil a Reading away win.
2: I've gone back to the 23rd of January 1933, so you might remember it, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: 2-0
2: winning, it was an FA Cup replay, third round replay. It was. And uh, funnily enough, well, it shouldn't ever have got there. Basically, because we were two 0 up in the first game at, at yeah, well at New Cross at the uh, Den. At Millwall.
1: That's right, yeah, Cobblers, yeah.
2: And uh, the game was abandoned with seventeen minutes to play when we were two 0 up because of fog. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna love this. I picked out it was uh, out of the Reynolds newspaper, which I think. Oh, okay,
1: newspaper.
2: okay. And the match report for that two nil. Win said, the Millwalls goalkeeper, who was a guy called Willie Wilson, who, who was an ex-minor Scotsman, Right, uh, remained in his place for some time after the final whistle had sounded, <laughs> and many spectators, too, had to wait until they were told the game had been called off. <laughs> yeah, why well, the newspaper reporter knew that was quite beyond me because he said how bad conditions were and how you couldn't see anything yet somehow he managed to see willie wilson stood in his goal mouth not being able to see what was going on at the other end of the pitch so it must have been so if the dressing rooms were in the same place he must have been down by the old jews hill i
1: reckon he's i reckon he's applied artistic license to that but, um... i think
2: he has yeah I think uh, he has.
1: I, I, I don't. I was reading a completely different article today, talking about the power of um, good stories, whether they're true or not, and their ability to motivate people. And I think that's a good story, not necessarily <laughs> factual, but it's a good story, Neil. And that's that's really all. The, that's what that's the nature of the trade, isn't it? That's the
2: um, yeah. And apparently, and the Reading was totally out of this game, and uh, <laughs> Millwall on top, and we came back and we had to replay the game. Obviously, and we drew one-one right which is just a mill wall way isn't it absolutely absolutely which meant an away game at reading but coincidentally we actually lost two days before that up at lincoln so the saturday we went to lincoln and lost two 0 in the second division as it was back then and then uh
1: we've gone to um that would have been elm, elm park wouldn't it yeah Elm, elm Park
2: reading? on the monday yeah, a Monday replay.
1: Yeah, Monday afternoon, listeners, younger listeners. Not uh, no floodlights yep. in these times. Yeah,
2: yeah. Funnily enough, I was just watching the FA Cup last night and lamenting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, we've had to do away with replays in yeah. these games. Suit the Premier yeah. League, and uh yeah, so we go to Reading and we win two
1: nil. That is very Millwall. That is very Millwall. Um, Albert
2: Bloxham with one of the goals and George Bond with the other. But Willie Watson was a player I, I picked out purely because he couldn't see what was going on and was probably freezing his nuts off. <laughs> Mate, interesting.
1: Was- um, I mean, the first game was a band for fog and it just struck me. I was I, I didn't have your Reynolds newspaper. This was the... I looked at the Daily Mirror of that first fixture. Mill unlucky, it says, and fog stops game at New Cross. Um, interestingly, um, these, this must have been the old fog of smoke coal era, listeners, because it would smog. It became known as in the fifties until um, you know the, the, there was a Clean Air Act passed, and, and they started to do <laughs> away with coal fires. But fog back then, Neil, must have been pretty dire because I'm just looking at a r- report from Chelten who um, they continued their game against Bolton in the same fog, which obviously is down the road from us. But the reporter confesses in this Daily Mirror report, he couldn't see um, the other, the other touchline. And, and they was only aware of, of an attack when they the ball found its way over to the left side, wherever he was. Um, and and the, <laughs> he could see um, there's a, a mild Cholton level of um, protest at the continuation of the game. And just to re- read, this is from the Charlton Bolton game. The, the folk thickened and then they began a mild demonstration against the referee for continuing with the game. The, spe- the spectators set up a con- uh, continuous whistle and flares from lighted newspapers and other articles f- flashing all around the ground. Uh, no mobile phones back then, kids, to light up and protest.
2: Um, you yeah, know, no dildos thrown on the pitch, which I think... <laughs> Birmingham no. planning to do, aren't they, this weekend or something? <laughs> they are. Um, that's yeah, a bizarre the story. story. <laughs> the miss-rolling in from the Thames, as they say. Maybe that's where know. the
1: song comes from, where you couldn't uh, they couldn't see. I don't know if they won it or lost it. I didn't get that far. Um, I mean, no, they got beat. No match for Bolton, listeners. So they got beat in fog. Although the, the reporter for the Daily River confesses he couldn't see half, literally couldn't see half the game. Um, there we are. You can't um, see
2: after the game anyway if you read some reports, <laughs> even in modern times when it's a clear view,
1: absolutely, absolutely. So, there we are, Millwall, uh, Reading, nil Millwall. Two that game was played January 23rd, 1933. And no, Neil, I wasn't born then. That was my dad, and, my dad, was, dad wasn't born then. Coincidentally,
2: so we That's actually cool. lost our older shot in the fourth round. Yeah. You-
1: that's Millwall, all over, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, he must be about the only team that played about four, five games from from, <laughs> from from the third round and only get as far as the fourth round. It's a typical Millwall, isn't it? But you can just imagine, you yeah, we can just imagine the referee. He must have been a brave man to have called off that game.
1: Oh, With can you imagine the abuse he would have taken? Like, it wouldn't have been oh. whistles, whistles, and lighted newspapers. It would have been a few more fruity um, Dockers um, insults. You can fill in the gaps yourself, dear listener. Um so there we are, that's reading. That's that's our first fixture of March. We also then move on to the Blackbird game, which is the rearranged fixture, which was also abandoned, of course, in um well, let's, uh, yeah, let's say there was um you yeah, know subterfuge involved in that in that abandonment. that's going to be replayed on the um Tuesday the 8th of March. We did cover that sh- that that fixture in our previous show. So I've agreed with Neil that we're going to refer the honourable listener to our previous show rather than talk about Blackbirds. Yeah, just so we don't um, bore them twice. We, 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 bore, we bore him enough for nothing already. So, uh, no, you're going to have to check out the previous history show if you want to um, recall that particular uh, fixture. We're not going to do that one again. um So we're going to move on then after that, Neil, to Millwall at home to Middlesbrough. And I've chosen a fixture from 1904. Dear, oh isn't there? So God. I know. Um, this, this is the way I do it. Um, I think I went to
2: that one and decided it was too early,
1: <laughs> too obscure. Nothing's too early for me. 1904 played at North Greenwich, which is now called Mill, Mill Park near to um, Mudchute station, station on the yeah Dockland Railway. Um, we beat uh, we lost to Middlesbrough 2 0. Um, and I, it, I, I found it because it, I, I just like the um the report of it being played, um, middle having to play against a strong wind in the second half. That would have been the strong wind coming off the water because it was very close to the riverside then, wasn't it? It was right in the middle, literally, of of the docks, uh, the Isle of Dogs docks.
2: Yeah, you can just imagine how how bleak it would have been because they wouldn't (laughs) have had... <laughs> it, it would have been. It would have been absolutely bloody freezing, wouldn't it? Let's face it. And yeah. Um, 12, then it hardy stuff,
1: Northerners, aren't they? Apparently, yeah. In the Middlesbrough. I know the Isle of Dogs denizens were uh, Hardy, that's for sure. And you'd expect the um, the borough to to, to uh, I don't know how many would have travelled down for that. Probably not many. This was an FA Cup game, listeners. Um, Two 0 win for Middlesbrough. Um, I've got a, a, a newspaper. This is the Daily Mirror again, um, dated the 8th of February 1904. Um, these two teams met at North Greenwich and Middlesbrough, after a very good game, were returned the victors by 2-0. to nil. Um, Millwall, rather unfortunate in being with, without Hulse, and I thought that name Hulse always lives in every Mill fan's memory, but not Rob, we're talking about Benjamin Hulse more of him in a moment. Um and Moran. Joey Gettins was deputising for Holse at Centre was not quite up to form and the forward line suffered as a consequence. So we had a, a big loss with our our, our um our uh, our forward line there. So the, I think we haven't covered Ben Holse Neil in, in previous or I don't remember doing so if if we have forgive me. Um so again I've re, um reverted to the very Excellent, Milhuze. No, who, to find out more about Ben Hulse, Benjamin Daniel Hulse, um, nineteen hundred and one played for us to nineteen hundred and four, one hundred and eleven games and sixty six goals. Dangerous striker, by the sounds of it, from that, from those numbers. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah. Liverpudlian, I think started off up north, actually, didn't they Playing for for oh, Liverpool, Liverpool. Southend, Rock Ferry, Blackburn Rovers, New Brighton Tower. I think it was a club yeah. you wanted to talk about, and
1: yeah. Um, a Liverpool player, and the name of New Brighton Tower struck me. Because it's not a name I'd seen, but I'd heard that. I remember New Brighton being in, I think, the third the third division when it was formed post First World War. But I hadn't heard of New Brighton Tower. Um, but Ben played for us for three seasons. So I say sixty six goals across one hundred and eleven games. Born in eighteen seventy five, passing away in nineteen fifty um after retiring from football as is often the way for players of that era he, he went back to laboring in the docks so hard hard men hard times hard men um but new brighton tower i'd never heard of neil so i had to look them up on wikipedia and new brighton is a kind of like a seaside um resort on merseyside now i can't think of much more bleak place to go on your holidays than new brighton um on the river mersey can you It must be a yeah, you know, they probably didn't we're...
2: want to go to Blackpool, did they? So they, <laughs> yeah, but it's probably actually, yeah, but it's probably a skis version of Blackpool. Yeah, now so, we're yeah, going to get right. cancelled for that, aren't we? Now there's going to somebody's <laughs> going to take our bridge at that.
1: New Brighton Tower was a seaside attraction built to rival the Blackpool Tower. It was built near Liverpool, um, and the owner of the new uh, New Brighton Tower um, decided that there was a need for winter entertainment. Which and so he formed this um, New Brighton FC, New Brighton Tower FC. Um, the club was never successful and was wound up in 1901. Where drawing gates of averaging around 1,000 um, fans, um, and the even the the follow up club in 1921, which was just plain New Brighton, would also play in the Football League from 1923 to 1951. They're long, long, thirty odd years. Um, but again, they also went bust. Um, clearly not a not a viable setup. I suppose you're competing against Liverpool, Everton, and even to some extent Tranmere, around there. Yeah, um, I
2: think Ben Hulse actually joined us when they went bust. So there was obviously an auction of players or something. Yeah, but God knows how Bob Hunter got the ear about him,
1: but He must have well, he was a shrewd manager, um, and he must have had his ears open. Um They were Lancashire League champions in 1897 to 98 in their brief, brief period of existence. This is New Brighton Tower. And they played in salmon, pink and black, which I think are great colours. So there we are. I just wanted to mention Ben Hulse because he's um, a a striker who made some contribution to uh, early century history. And I also wanted to mention New Brighton Tower because I just like to mention these odd little things along the way. It's part of the charm of our show, Neil, isn't it? That off these yeah, definitely.
2: Engines. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, we like to remember these people that
1: are long yeah. forgotten in Millwall. Give West. them a passing mention if we can. Um, so there are. That's my choice. Nineteen oh four, a, a two nil loss to Middlesbrough. You've gone for a win. Nineteen sixty five win nil over Middlesbrough.
2: Yeah, I've gone for a league cup tie. Uh, mm. Obviously, a competition. It would it would have been in its embryonic stages. I think it probably hadn't been in- going four yeah. or five years at that time and it's really a competition that we've never gone very far in we've never got the no. the quarter finals three no. times I think 74 77 and 95. that's right so it's a competition that we've never it never excites me the league cup i don't know why the fa cup yeah you get that buzz don't you but the league cup it generally played midweek evenings and yeah. There's never the same excitement about it, does it? I didn't even watch the final on no. Sunday afternoon, and
1: it's been going a long time now. You're right. I mean, this is 1965. I think it was founded in 61 or 62. Yeah, um, and it's always been. It's only had this kind of Cinderella quality. There's, I, I agree with you. There's there's no love for it in a way that there is a love of the cup. Um, yeah, you know, we have good seasons in the cup, FA Cup. I'm talking about. And we're bad seasons, but you always you're always interested. You're always excited to see who we're going to get and the the, the big game fixture at the Den. But somehow the League Cup never, um, never just never never gets the electricity flowing, does it? Somehow.
2: No, it doesn't get the juices flowing, and it's just it's just one of those things. You're not bothered if you when you're not bothered if you lose, really are you? You're no, no, them. that's that's, a, that's the death
1: of a death of a competition when it happens, isn't it?
2: Uh, basically, yeah, basically, yeah. well, this, what well, we drew, I think we actually drew up there and came back down for a replay, or, or it could even have been two legs back then. Uh, and Middlesbrough were meant uh, were actually managed by Rach Carter, famous Big name. From the past. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, was he one of the higher transfer? Um, figures, yes, he or? was.
2: Yeah, he was. He he, he was a top top. Top into war striker. Yeah, yeah. Along the same lines as as Dixie Dean and people like that. Then went into management, played for England. But Billy Gray, this caught my attention. Billy Gray gambled on playing his sixteen-year-old nephew John Richardson in this game, his nephew, who only wow. months before had been playing schools football in Wandsworth.
1: Can you imagine Gary Rowick playing his nephew from school's football in a in a Levitism carabao? Is cup
2: right. <laughs> H would have an
1: absolute stroke, wouldn't they? Can Can you imagine uh, the House of Fun? It would be Febran on there with with with, with uh, giving you know giving full vent to their conspiracy theory on that, wouldn't they? Yeah, Somehow <laughs> that's, so that's uh, that was that was football back then, wasn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, this you know we drew neil nil away. And then I'll just read in my notes here. And then it was 1 1 after 90 minutes. I think it was Dave Jones scored for us. Extra
1: time. And uh,
2: we went on. We were second. We were actually third division then because I think
1: we're third division leaders. Yeah. Would that be our promotion season? I think it was,
2: yes. 65 66, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. On the way back to the second division.
2: Yeah. And uh, the other goals were scored by Billy Neal, still around.
1: Yes, he is. Yeah, um, of
2: yeah. who I think has, has departed, right? Um, but I just picked out John Richardson, I think he only played two games for us.
1: This was his nephew, yeah, yeah.
2: And he and Billy Gray turns to his nephew, <laughs> uh, to fill in for Tommy Wilson, uh.
1: Can you imagine the crowd playing. on this one, Neil?
2: <laughs> Unbelievable. They uh, like would have got slaughtered, imagine.
1: wouldn't
2: they? I could <laughs> like, just imagine H having a meltdown now on the podcast afterwards, can't you? Gary Rowitz's nephew's playing. <laughs> yeah. And to make it worse, he actually followed his uncle to Brentford, where no he would earn his first professional contract. I think he played Fulham when they won promotion in 71, but just one of those fleeting players in Mill history. But but quite interestingly, after he finished playing, he he actually worked as a funeral director.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Gets better and better, that story, doesn't it?
2: It does, but... But just typical Millwall, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we dump out Middlesbrough three-one. Rach Carter's having a, having absolute kittens, according to the, <laughs> according to the newspaper reports I've read of the game. And then we Wonderful go and get stuff. stuffed by Peterborough four-one in the fourth round. So, I
1: mean, Millwallie, not Spursy. Millwallie. Uh, yeah, dear! Not stuff. Spursy.
2: Yeah, no, this was long before Spursy. This was this was Millwallie. But a competition that I don't think anybody really gives two tosses about are they these days.
1: Not really. Uh, I mean I, I searched that res- <clears throat> that result and found it. Oh, this, this is a copy of the uh, the Daily Mirror again dated um Tuesday, October the nineteenth, nineteen sixty-five. So they don't actually have a report for the game listeners. All it's got is the uh, the kind of classified listing in the, in the in the results summary there, but my eye was caught by um, a mention of Millwall. on the same page, there is no report from this fixture, so I'm not going to, um, you know, can't do anything on that. But um, Billy Gray is actually mentioned in a quite a large story here, Neil, about uh, Romford playing um, playing Luton in the in the FA Cup. This is like the looming th- the first round was going to be looming. And we're mentioned in the context of Romford's goalkeeper, Steve Earle, Um, who was a one-time West Ham keeper, I don't know his name at all, and was a World Cup uh, player with with Australia, playing for Romford, and Billy Gray has given him a month's trial, um, and he's done some trades, Gray's quoted as saying that um, his third division pacemakers... Um, having drawn Wheelstone in the in the in the first round of the cup, that Steve Earl has done some training with us and he looked very useful. But if Romford are prepared to offer him terms, I won't stand in his way. That's that's the most um you know, he looks very good, but if Romford were offer him a contract, we, we can go there. We don't
0: yeah. want him. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> it's a surreal
1: yeah. surreal, surreal story. It's quite a large story. I mean, I, I don't know that a non-league club will get quite that amount of coverage nowadays for um for one of their um, players. Yeah, no,
2: that was when non-league football was big. Funnily enough, I did manage to find a match report, but I did find it in the Daily Mail. Okay. Uh, and written by Roy Peskett, Billy Gray made it perhaps the biggest gamble of his Millwall managership when he named his 16 year old nephew John Richardson (laughs) for last night's League Cup replay with Middlesbrough. But it paid off, Millwall are through to a fourth round home tie with Peterborough. Richardson, (laughs) who was who was playing school football for Wandsworth only a few months ago, looked inexperienced at times, but stuck to his job well. I bet he did. Millwall outlasted and outshot their second division opponents and gave a warning... Uh, at the moment, they're almost invincible at the den. Yeah, well, they were until Peterborough went down there and won 4-1 in the next That's round. Right. You know,
1: yeah. That's right.
2: Last night was like the Roaring 30s.
1: Wow. <laughs> Great report. Great report. Um, good choice. I love that story. Billy Gray signing his nephew. Um,
2: and <laughs> playing him.
1: And there and then playing fast and loose with Romford's goalkeeper. There's a great advert. I'm just looking, just looking at this page. You can't see it. Listen, to this phone I'm I'm breaking every rule of radio by talking about something you can't see. Um, there's a great advert for vitalis hairdressing. And there's Billy Walker, the heavyweight, British heavyweight champion who uses vitalis hairdressing to keep his hair neat all day. Without grease, Neil. Without grease. <laughs> great great picture of Billy making the old boxing kind of stance and endorsing this, uh, this hairdressing stuff. Anyway, I've, I've, again, I've totally gone off on a tangent there, as is our way.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
1: So good choice there, Neil. Um, but we've got to move along. And um, we're going to move along now to Huddersfield Town. And I've gone for a fixture from 2008 Um a 2-1 win for Millwall, and I would have been at this game. I think I can vaguely remember it, because um, it was a, probably one of the high points of Lewis Graben's career. It was two goals there from a, a long-forgotten player. who was actually quite good for us. There's Trezor Candle, who scored in the 37th minute, having we gone behind in the 18th uh, to Huddersfield. So he's equalised. Trezor Candle, I think, was a Leeds United player on loan to us. And then yes, Lewis well, that's about
2: 30 seconds of his debut, didn't he, at the start of yeah. that season against Oldham? I do remember yeah,
1: that. He was a player never quite I mean, I don't know, the deal never never took off and um, you know, nothing happened after a, a relatively short space of of loan. But his return was was quite good, Trezor Candle. But I've picked out Lewis Graben because he's become a boo boy. And um, you know, the the rights and wrongs of that, um who who can say, but he it was it was certainly um maligned in, in the uh famous Mike Calvin book hiding in the toilets that uh, was that ready? Uh Yeovil, I think it was now it? it Where hid in um as my old granddad would have called it, trap number one, hid out. And Hereford wasn't it? Was it? Was it Hereford? Hereford? Somewhere yeah, it, were, were, it, it, it was it was a hard away trip at somewhere where you probably don't want to find yourself if you have aspirations for top-flight football, which he clearly did. But i picked him out uh, because he um, was a very talented boy. He remains a very talented player and he's maligned. And, you know, he doesn't help himself sometimes with, um, you know, um, some of the choices perhaps he's made. And I think he can be, a, you know, perhaps a, a difficult squad member at times. But he played um 61 times for the Lions, 11 goals but he came just from crystal palace i think he was seen as quite a quite a signing when we made him um and i think it was kenny jacket was it willie donnelly i can't well either donnelly or jacket signed him i think he was rated quite highly when when he arrived but i think he fulfilled that promise later on in his career will go on to play in the premier league of course um which was with Bournemouth. I think they, they were in uh, Premier League when he played, or Norwich, sorry, he played for them as well. So, a, another player that um, the promise wasn't apparent for us, but he, he did go on to achieve some measure of success later on in his career. Yeah, um, he was
2: actually signed by Kenny Jacket as a replacement in May. But, uh, referring yeah. back to my, uh, to my Millwall Who's Who book. Uh, when, when I think May was sold. So, he would have been very raw. Uh, Smacks a lot of when we get Chris Armstrong off Palace as well. Chris oh, no. Armstrong. Yeah. You know, we um, went to Palace, didn't he? And I think we got a couple of players in exchange. So
1: I think Armstrong was was a very good player. And I think we, we I think we, it was a forced sale because I think we were probably in financial as we ever are.
2: Yeah. Just, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. No, he went to Palace, didn't he? And I think we got, yeah. did we get Jamie Morley in return or something? We like did. That?
1: We did. Uh, Jamie Morley. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lewis Graben. I mean, I think you're right. I think he he, he struggled to establish himself at a number of clubs. And he would, I, I think, it, you know, it, to, to achieve Premier League football, he played with, with Norwich and then AFC Bournemouth in the Premier League. Um, probably matched his ability. He probably held himself back in some looking at the number of clubs he's played for over time. You get a sense of someone who, um, I don't know, how can we put it, has his own ideas on life, I don't know, I'm going to leave it at but I just wanted to mention him, because he, he's become a boo boy, Neil, and, um, you know, um, sometimes sometimes it blinds you to a, a kind of a cold, a cool assessment of a player, and he actually didn't do badly for us back in time. Yeah, we paid
2: grand for him. And we did and, we and did. when he went for eight million, I think everybody was scratching their heads because I don't think he'd really he hadn't pulled up any trees anywhere he'd been then all he, of a sudden he went for eight million quid, and I think people yeah, but but he's actually got longevity, hasn't he?
1: He's persistent, and you know he it will always get flack when if he ever comes back to the then he'll get flack, and you know um. Maybe maybe he deserves some of it. I don't know. I, I think the Mike Calvin book did his reputation no good at all. I mean he got he got slightly character assassinated there, didn't he? Um and he's you know he's gone on to achieve greater value later in through his career. Um but there we are. 1988. So what's that making now? 34. He's coming towards the end of his career, realistically now. So um one of our names from the past. Um you've you've gone for an, a 4 0 win, Neil. Um, Huddersfield. Huddersfield. 1986,
2: 1986, 1986-87 season. Yeah, 13th of January. So it was just before Christmas. And it was really, I saw the attendance for this game. Yeah, I'm just looking at that.
1: That's
2: (laughs) what pulled it out in my mind. So I had a little look throughout that season. And bear in mind, this was the season before we actually won the second division title. Yeah. And our crowds were pitiful. This was watched by 3,515. And we struggled to get above 6,000 for a game against the Nigels, against Palace, later on that season. That only attracted 6,000 people. But it was John Doherty's first season in charge. and. We were hovering in and around the bottom of the table most of that season, weren't we, Nick?
1: Yeah, these were tough times. In fact, I said on a show the other day that in the 80s it became a real struggle for me personally to get to to football at all, to be honest. And if memory serves, Neil, um, this season, I think we were working under a a punishment, an FA punishment. I think we would have been made to have all of our games made all ticket, which doesn't sound that much nowadays, but at the time you couldn't just turn up to um pay on the on the turnstile and it really punished Millwall because that's obviously how football was well, you know for your 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 and my youth you know you just went to football and you paid at the turnstile. Um this predated, I mean there's no online sales then, listeners. You you had to get a ticket. So short of having a season ticket, which I could I personally couldn't do wasn't a position to do back then, you had to physically get yourself up to the den and buy a ticket in the week before a game or whenever they were on sale and it Nothing made it organised yeah not possible I mean, you know you, it made it very difficult and i think if you look at the attendance for that whole season they were hovering around the 3000 level because that was the that was the punishment i think it was for the Luton riot i think it was a fallout from from that um there was a, we were working under an fa order of some sort at that point because i think we have to play in away blackburn we were drawn at home to blackburn in the cup and we had to play them away because of a fa punishment or something of that order like the season before um i i think it was a an all-ticket order and, and you're right i mean i'm just looking at the same um attendance three and a half thousand um and believe me listeners as much as the den was a cauldron of the old den was a cauldron of excitement on its day when it was empty like that it was um Felt like a tombstone, Neil, didn't it, on some of these low attendance games, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, you almost have seen the tumbleweeds, wouldn't you, (laughs) flying around the place. Absolutely. Um, But this game, yeah, but it's the attendance that that caught my attention. And then the fact that Teddy Sheringham scored a hat-trick.
1: He did, Uh, yeah.
2: All of Millwall's goals came in the second half. Dave Byrne got the other one. uh,
1: Dave Byrne, yeah.
2: Um, and one of the Sunday match reports, or it might have been one of the Mondays. Sheringham was watched by Bill Nicholson, who was Bill the Nicholson, manager. He was a talent spotter, and uh, apparently Arsenal and Everton were watching him. And uh, the Daily Mirror, it was commentated, hard-up Millwall are unlikely to reject a good offer. <laughs>
1: That, that should be the club. Mo- that should be the club motto, Neil. I don't know if you can put that in Latin. Make that, make that the club motto. Hard up, Neil.
2: Yeah, I tell you, was well, a good job that we didn't because he, he, he his hat tricks. Uh, I think took his tally to the seat for the season to thirteen. Yeah, uh, and yeah. John Doherty had set him a target of twenty-five. But if somebody had made a good offer, would we have got promoted this following season? <laughs>
1: It's one of the great what ifs. Um the great yeah.
2: ramifications for Millwall, <laughs> unlikely to reject a good offer.
1: <laughs> that, 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 as I say, that should be put in Latin and made round the lion as our a, as a club motto. Um, I'm just looking at the same copy of the Daily. I think it's the Daily Mirror um, that you're looking at there, Neil. Um, and on the same page, just in that same spirit of unlikely to uh, turn down a good offer, there's John Fashion who, celebrating for Wimbledon. Um, having scored um, a goal again, a real beauty as it's described against Sheffield Wednesday, Wimbledon on the up, and the Lions very much on the financial back foot at this time. Um, I love Teddy Sheringham, and I, you know, he, again, is another one that's become. I don't know if he's a boo boy. I think for certain kids of a certain age, I think poke fun at him. He's um. Whichever club he went to, but he claims to have been a boyhood fan of. And I think it must have become like a, you know, I think he was having a laugh with some of it because he didn't say that at Colchester or somewhere like that. It was
2: like a lifelong dream, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, no. And (laughs) I do remember when the Dockers' Day that they got uh, Doc's team back for. He he. Well, he almost became like a pantomime villain walking around the pitch, and uh, yeah, and fine. I think everybody was taking the Mickey out of him, all of his former teammates, <laughs> and he appeared to take it in good heart, <laughs> in good spirit. I'm not sure. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Team. Yeah, well, I can remember we used to sit in the family stand at the time. And, uh, <laughs> well even the kids were booing him and they had no idea what they were booing. Was, no,
1: they wouldn't know who he was. He was You're a great a player. player. He, he was, a was a wonderful
2: fantastic player and shouldn't be shouldn't be remembered, I think, for for one or two things that that some press officer might have written in a press release. Uh, no. Poetic that's,
1: that's, that's the internet for you, isn't it? Once it catches hold on him there it becomes a thing. Um but a great contributor to mill history um I was, Neil Harris obviously in the end would take away his um club record um goal scoring tally um but teddy sherringham um I, the reason that I've, I've, i mean obviously he made a great contribution to our, to our promotion season neil and um and you know arguably this season to us retaining second division status because we weren't that wasn't cut and dried for most of this particular season eighty six eighty seven. But he would also stick around when we got relegated from the first division, and would score was it thirty eight goals in a season in the the nineteen ninety one season I, when we were back in Division Two. He almost single handedly took us very very. I think he got us into the playoffs, and it all went squared. And it was at Brighton that 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 playoff season. Um, I'm, I'm very much floundering my memory on this, listeners. Yeah, I, no, it was that season. I have a huge amount of time for Teddy because that was a wonderful, him scoring 38 goals, uh, part of a, of a good, entertaining season that would slightly go wrong against Brian. But that for me was a spectacle that I, I put in one of my favourite Millwall moments of my of my life actually because it was just a huge achievement. Uh, and he didn't have to stay now. He could have gone on, um, you know, he could have been taking a transfer when we got relegated. You know, yeah, I so. think
2: he was almost like a one man team in that mm. in that 1991 season. I think Alex Ray was the second leading scorer on the yeah.
1: back. Yeah, absolutely. 38 goals. I'm, I think I'm, I, I, I stand to be corrected, listeners. So if anyone can correct me, I think he's yeah, no, 33
2: in the league. I've just looked up and then I just couldn't be bothered to look at the rest on Richard Lindsay's. <laughs>
1: <Lee's. laughs> <laughs> a uh, wonderful who, player
2: who goes your complete record as it goes too far down but yeah, no, almost single-handedly got us in the playoffs, you're right that season
1: Absolutely, but these were you're, you're right, 4-0 we know over Huddersfield at home at Cobbler Lane 13th of December 1986 in front of just 3,500 tough times, tough times I didn't get to many games that season because it was such a performance to get your tickets, but anyway, there we are that was the intention of the I think it was a punishment, an FA punishment. So we're going to move on to Stoke City, Neil. Um, you've gone for um, an away win, 1993, 14th of August, opening um, game of the season, I believe. Yeah, and I've found a I found a report for it actually, but it's your it's your, it's your game. So um...
2: I think it was Bruce Murray's debut, and I've done uh, I've, I've picked him out as yeah. a player talk about actually it was a somebody who i think he arrived on trial that summer didn't he to join casey keller and uh john kerr
1: yeah because the uh the report i've got mentions the three americans yankee doodle a yankee doddle dandy this win they're calling uh bruce murray john kerr and and casey keller i think
2: we had a lot of injuries at the time so Yeah, it just seems strange at Millwall signing Americans, really, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and there was... We've we, we about a... foreign players and how Millwall don't sign them, but you look down through Millwall's history and there's been quite a few.
1: We've we've always been, I mean, certainly at this period, you're right. I mean, um, John Kerr, I think, was the, the scorer of the very first goal at the New Den when it was constructed. And Casey Keller is a wonderful, was a wonderful goalkeeper, a classic kind of Mill name. Um Bruce Murray was more your workhorse wasn't he? He never really lifted me off my seat in excitement, but he was always give you a he was like a 75% type of player, you know, you you, you knew what you were going to get from him without lifting out of your you know, out of body experience watching him.
2: Yeah, he definitely wasn't in the same class as Jamie Morley or John Goodman, I think who No, who were, yeah. around at the time they were more established, better players. Better goal scorers, I think, but but as you say, he was somebody that come off the bench or or go in. But he was actually quite late on in his career. He was born in sixty six, so he'd been pushing 20, yeah. 27, twenty seven, twenty eight at this stage. Hadn't yeah. ever played in anything like this this, this level. Of I think you've probably got the same uh, match report as I have. Uh,
1: this is no, I've got one. It's actually the Staffordshire Evening Sentinel. It's actually quite a. Ah. Uh, it's uh, like a local paper. Obviously, listeners. Um, yeah, but the they, headlines.
2: They... Uh, yeah, but the headlines exactly the same. So it must have been written by the same <laughs> Yankee Doddle.
1: Yankee Doddle, That's right. Yeah, Lions yank the carpet from under City. Um, uh, a lot of Yankees doing a lot of, lot of work there. Yankee yank. Um,
2: Bruce Murray admitted in this match report, "I may have 91 international caps, but that was the toughest game I've ever faced. Fast, furious, with the offside <laughs> trap too. But the score on your debut is just great. It was a bit of a shock to be in the team at all. But you have to uh, take advantage, and hopefully, I did. But I think that I think John Kerr had missed a sitter in this game, according to this match report as well."
1: Yeah, I mean, that that, that's, that sounds about right as well. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the Lions side I've got here, Casey Keller, Kenny Cunningham, I mean and Dawes. Um, that would be Gavin Maguire, wouldn't it? The Maguire, Gavin Maguire?
2: Gavin Maguire, yep.
1: And I'm going to guess that it's probably Tony McCarthy rather than Mick McCarthy, I'm guessing. It was
2: Tony McCarthy,
1: yep. This is like a quiz show, listen, isn't it? There's so Keith Stevens, um, Andy Roberts, and Bogey um bruce murray uh substitute for uh john david burn yep, Byrne, Byrne. um john kerr tony dolby and substitutes not used were richard huxford and carl emberson richard huxford deserves a mention doesn't he uh he's one of those obscure players that um you know, their name pops up from time to time when you do re- research for podcast listeners. And they're, they're, I, I actually can't... I can remember him being there. I can remember him being part of a squad. But I can't remember anything he ever did on the field of play all these years no, later.
2: No, he was part of the good Barnet team, wasn't he?
1: Barnet, he he came from
2: Barnet. Later, when Barnet got promoted to the Football League, I think he played with... Yeah. I think he played up there, but Ian Bogie, great player, wasn't he? Wow,
1: I liked show. Ian Bogie, very skillful. Part yeah. of that diamond kind of um, season, we had a midfield diamond, um, and along with John McGinley, there's um, another player of that era. I, I used to like them; they, they, were, they were skillful and nimble on the ball. Um, this result here I mean, was it the. Did we we played South End and got beat? Was it that, that the week before? We got we got in, in, on T V. It was like the, one of the um the early games at the New Den and we got beat by Southend South End at home. I think we got a four one beating or something like that. I don't know if that was
2: week before uh, this I or I don't think so, because this was the opening game of the season.
1: Oh, okay. Must be been previous season. The game,
2: yeah, and uh, funnily enough, I just, you, you mentioned Tony McCarthy. In the match report I've got, uh, Millwall's other uh, US international keeper, Casey Keller, was also outsmarted by his own teammate, Tony McCarthy. <laughs> Under pressure, <laughs> McCarthy attempted a, a lofted 25-yard back pass. Yep. But when he looked up, he realised Keller was well out of the goal. Uh, expecting a close on-the-ground pass. Keller tried his best to get back, but but watched in agony as the ball rolled into the net for a bizarre own-goal equaliser. Thank God that was the way you can imagine if that was at home. Tony McCarthy would never have lived that long, and neither would Keller. It would still be remembered to this day, wouldn't it?
1: Absolutely. As you say, it was the opening game of the season. I've just got the Mill History website up, listeners. The 4-1 loss that I'm thinking of was the week after. I thought it was the week before, but it was the week after. That would be our first home league game at the new stadium, as it was then. We got beat by Southend and actually led us into a pretty poor run of 4-0. We got beat versus, after this win, which is a good start for the season, uh, we then got beat by Southend at home. We've gone to Wolves and got beat 2-0. And then Leicester, we've got... Stuff four 0 there. We've got a draw against honestly oh, Anglo Italian against Charlton. I'm not going to count that, and we'd have to wait until September for our first home league, well, our first win in the uh, in the new stadium. That was a two nil you win know, over Barnes. It was a bit of a difficult baptism at the new ground, wasn't it? When you look back.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, I can actually remember a game a little bit later. Watford. I think uh, John Goodman scored a hat trick in that. Yeah, Everything, that's right. Everything was. Yeah brand spanking shiny new it still had that new smell of concrete, mm. didn't it? and uh yeah we didn't settle into it for a long time did we it it, no. it it wasn't the den i know it was called the new den but it wasn't home was it it,
1: it had become home but the, the crowds weren't exactly brilliant because it was, the whole thing was premised on um we're going to be you know offered offered a, an a, we're talking about catering earlier on in the show listeners and we're going to be offered an array of fast food weren't we as we walk through the uh, the turnstile we were going to be fighting off the mcdonalds and the burger king and the the kentucky fried chicken outlets um, and the pizza hut the dear pizza old hut. You, None of which ever happened, did it? Um you dear old it, Reg, he made
2: us those promises and we're still waiting for them, old son.
1: I believed him. Know? I believed everything Reg said and still do to this day. The season would actually come good, it would finish up in playoff football. Um <laughs> would, that would be the the uh, the game of the derby, um infamous derby playoffs so and will we'll, Draw a veil over that and say it was a there was a you know one or two shenanigans that night, which um, but it's in the 93 94 season, but it was a difficult, difficult start to life at Zampa Road for us. Um, after a good away win, which Nils Nils picked out here, a 2 1 win at Stoke City. Um, now my game that I've picked out here is is not particularly notable. I went for um. Stoke City for Millwall naught in the FA Cup. This is in 1936, um, 15th of June. So not particularly inspiring result from the Mill perspective, listeners. But the reason I picked it out is that the, the match report, which says that Stoke, um, were you know, some way ahead of us, featured one of the great names of football, football, world football, um, certainly British and English football, Sir Stanley Matthews. And I thought, actually, it might be a good chance just to mention Sir Stanley Matthews, Neil, um, because he is one of the greats, isn't he? Um, named by players of the level of Pelé and, and foreign players of Beckenbauer naming him as their inspiration for, for taking up the game in the first place. Um, and I just thought it might be worth worth mentioning Sir Stanley Matthews who uh, played his part in this uh, hammering of the lines that day. But what a, what a great... Um, if you read his Wikipedia... Article listeners, I mean, it'd be books and whatnot. And I just read Wiki, a man of some skill, I mean, speed and skill, I think, are the, um, the hallmarks of, of sustaining Matthews. He becomes a Stanley Matthews, he's the first footballer to be knighted, I believe. When he had the wasn't it? Wizard of Dribble, um, European Football of the Year, um, Football Writers Association Football of the Year, and in, in the I think that might have been in the 50s. He only player to be knighted while still playing. Again, game he played on league football at the age of fifty, Neil. Can you imagine that? He was turning out for Stoke late in his career. Born in nineteen fifteen. His his career like so many would be affected by the um the impact of the Second World War. And there's the article here puts it, he lost six years to um, to the To the Second World War. And he would um, resume playing after the war at a fairly advanced age, but he managed to keep himself fit enough to be able to take up the professional game after the, after the conflict. He would also take part in the famous, famous Matthews Cup final of 1953 when Blackpool would make a comeback against um, Bolton Wanderers, I believe. Um, and he actually rejected that term nearly. He, he said it was the Stan Mortenson final because I think Stan Mortenson scored a hat-trick but became forgotten. By the side of um, Stanley Matthews winning his first medal because he, he had this glittering career in the game, but had never actually got much in the way of silverware to show for it. But that would be his moment, that, that famous final.
2: Yeah, coincidentally, uh, it, well, it was actually a medal that he later claimed was lost, and uh, oh, it, and the FA actually replaced, uh, but. I think if you speak to anybody in Blackpool, everybody knows who's got the medal, and he's uh and he appears on Dickinson's Real Deal. Okay, <laughs> um,
1: I, I, it seems seems to be very well thought of. I'm just looking at the, um, you know, the kind of the career is 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 magnificent. He'd play for England. He would play in the um, famous um, losses to six three against the Hungarians, which my dad would always tell me. It was like watching a different um, football being played in a different level, in a way that just wasn't hadn't been seen before by the famous Hungarian side. I mean, some of the names he's played with, and 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 um, you know, would, 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 the games he'd be involved in—it's a magnificent career. Um, he would also play in in the World Cup with England, in, when we did finally take part in it, I think he played in 1950 as well. I think he was part of that side that went out ignominiously to the USA. Interesting guy as well. He, he seems quite um the modern phrase is humble, Neil. He seemed like quite a down to earth kind of guy as a as, as a, a person. He, he seemed um you know there's a picture of him with he's clearly in his in his uh he looks fifty years old, but he's sitting there with some of the younger players playing for Stoke in nineteen sixty two, sharing a laugh them. and he looks like the kind of bloke that wants to play football and a part of a team that that that. there's a certain um personality it just takes to the game and that was that was um very much to Stanley Matthews. I just wanted to mention him because he's one of the great names of the game and he featured in match. have very well finding
2: him playing against Millwall because I think when we did the show earlier in the season, I was trying to find a game that he actually played against us uh, at home and yeah. I couldn't find one. Well, I-, I had a
1: report and I've lost it, um, but he, he featured... Um, He featured in this particular game against Stoke. I did have the report. If I find it, I'll send it over to you separately. But um, the report was largely um, Stoke-based, and they've clearly taken us to the cleaners and and then some because um, a 4-0 win at at Stoke. And um, the report mentioned that we we were distinctively the poorest side. Um, But it mentioned Stanley Matthews featuring. And, you know, this is one of the great names. You can put him in the same... Sentence as um, take your pick: Maradona, Johan Cruyff, Pele, Gerd Muller, uh, Ronaldo nowadays, Lionel Messi, and you would say also in that sentence, um, Sir so Stanley Matthews. Is that? Would you agree with that, Neil? I, 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 yeah, that's just my take on it. One, you know,
2: he's definitely one of the all-time greats of of the English game, isn't he? And yeah, absolutely rightly remembered. But this was a side a Millwall side managed by Bill McCracken right and uh it was just before the legendary Charlie Hewitt took over the following season they and we got to an FA Cup semi-final the season after okay did in 37 in
1: 37 we did yes that's right yeah yeah
2: and it was just before we just started to build we just started that ambition and a uh, uh, I'm planning to do a podcast on it with you at some point. Probably have to wait until the summer.
1: Yeah, no, when we get a bit more time on it. On and uh,
2: just to actually talk about that, but in a little bit more depth. But it definitely it 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 was it was just before we threatened, where we where we showed a lot of ambition. We were very well supported. They started to improve the den, and we started. Looking as if we were going to do something in the game, but Stanley oh, Matthews, yeah. great player, big name. Absolutely, you've done well to find him playing against Millwall.
1: I found the report; it's the it's the Daily Herald, listeners, which was a I don't don't think that exists. It went out of business. I think it merged with the Sun, the Daily Herald, I believe. But um the nineteen thirty six edition, sixteenth of January, uh, the the report says Millwall beaten at every stage. Stoke City four Millwall nil. Um, the report says there was never much doubt about the result. It might have been thought that the frozen ground and slippery surface would discount Stokes' class, but this was not so. Um, Stokes' class was obvious throughout. They showed a greater skill in ball control, better possession, positional play, and were more effective in covering, especially in defence. Stokes' attackers, too, reached their best form, and in the second half in particular, they showed excellent understanding in their approach work and were much more deadly in their finishing than the London team um Stanley Matthews I'm just skimming uh Stanley Matthews played a notable part in the victory especially after the interval he was the master of Turnbull and Forsyth his footcraft his body swerves and skillful centering contributed materially to the victory um leading um one nil at halftime it would go on to be a 4-0 win for for Stoke City um I'll send you that nil. I'll send you that um but yes just seeing the name Stanley matthew's listeners thought they, and there's nothing particularly um notable particularly about the the, the loss there but um, i thought that's one of the great names of the game and there is against Millwall. Uh, mill also just wanted to mention him i hope you can indulge me these things listeners so there we are um stoke city four mill nil 1936. i think that's our lot Neil. i think that we've done the um we've done the rounds of the fixtures for march
2: we have, and I think we've only got one more, one more month to go, haven't we?
1: One more month to go, and then we'll be into the long, lazy, hazy, crazy cricket season of summertime. Um, Neil and I will be doing one or two um, shows over the summertime. I think we can probably um, drag ourselves away from the uh, from from the, uh, the bat and the ball. And um, but yeah, April to come. So uh, we'll look forward to that. We'll probably get that out towards the end of March. Big thank you to Neil Fissler for your time and your research, mate. Thank you
2: very much indeed. I hope everybody gets as much pleasure out of these as we do, just rambling on about nothing for an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Don't forget the book, which is on victorpublishing.co.uk. It's called Mill Who's Who. It's by Neil Fissler plus Dave Sullivan. Um, Chris Bethel, I believe, Neil and Jim Creasy, I believe, isn't it? As the as yeah, the fourth, that's right, yeah, uh, the fourth name attached to that wonderful book, 1999 plus PMP. Do check it out, it's well worth having, it's a classic. Um, so that's all for now, listeners. Neil I will be back in, uh, in during the course of March, um, with our next history show and in almost certainly to review the progress of the railway train whenever it comes off the rails the <laughs> railway
2: express all aboard the railway express to reading
1: <laughs> it must come off the rails at some point it's just a question of when to the next edition listeners thank you for listening and arrivederci bye for now thank you for listening to ask the if you enjoyed the show please head over to apple podcast and leave us a cheeky review
2: arrivederci till next time Who do you want to watch?